everyone, I hope you're all doing so well and welcome back to the Criminal Makeup Podcast. Each episode, we dive into the minds of some of the worst criminals in history and today we're going to be talking about the case of Trey Sesler, also known as Mr. Anime. Trey Sesler was a YouTuber, uh-huh. He joined YouTube right back in the early days of 2006 and he grew to be pretty popular on YouTube, especially in the anime community. But there was also a darker side to Trey's videos that became more apparent over time. Lots of things started to go wrong in his life. He started to develop some pretty troubling fascinations and you can literally see the demise of Trey's state of mind in the very videos he uploaded to YouTube, which is just crazy to see. You can literally see him deteriorating, his mental health going downhill, him becoming darker, his thoughts, his feelings starting to become more troubling. You can literally see it in front of your eyes. And unfortunately, this led to some very tragic events and this case soon became pretty infamous on the internet because of the fact that Trey was a YouTuber. So that is what we're going to get into today. And just a little disclaimer, this episode does contain discussion of sensitive topics such as murder, animal abuse, and school shootings. So please be aware of all of that before listening. And with that being said, let's dive in. So Trey was born on the 3rd of August, 1989, making him a Leo. And he lived in Walla, Texas with his mother, Rhonda, father, Lawton, and his brother, Mark, who was older than him. He was four years older than Trey. And Trey had a pretty normal, whatever normal is, but he had a pretty normal childhood. His parents were in a stable marriage. They were pretty comfortable. There was nothing that I could find anyway that was out of the ordinary. His dad was a teacher at a local elementary school and his mom worked at a local newspaper. And like I said, they were pretty comfortable, like normal. They would do anything for Trey. They would actually like provide him with anything that he wanted. And in school, Trey uh, had a pretty normal experience in school as well. But from what I could find out, he wasn't popular, but he wasn't a loner. He was kind of like in that middle kind of section and he had plenty of friends. He also played trombone in the school band and he also joined the digital video club. So he clearly always had an interest in video making because obviously we know he turned into a YouTuber. So Trey's life so far anyway seems pretty normal, like nothing out of the ordinary. However, when he was 13, there was a little bit of a hiccup, if you will. I feel like, I don't know, it was, it was a bit extreme. We'll get onto it, but I feel like, I don't know, it's normal, isn't it, for all of us to kind of go through a little bit of a rebellious stage when we are teenagers. But like I said, Trey's little hiccup was maybe a little bit more extreme than most of ours. So when he was 13, yeah, actually, no, when I'm thinking about it, no, this is not normal. I don't even know why I was trying to say that it was normal. No, when he was 13, he decided he wanted to shoot his friend, which is not, not normal at all. I don't know why I'm saying, oh, it's kind of normal for us to go through a rebellious stage. No, <laughs> that's not normal. Scratch what I just said. So Trey decided that he wanted to shoot one of his friends. I don't know why. I don't know if they'd had an argument for now. I don't know. But he thought in order to do this, well, he needed a gun and he didn't have one because he's 13 and 13 year olds don't have guns. So he came up with a plan on how to get a gun, which I've got to say is not the brightest plan in the world, but he is only 13. So he decides that he's going to steal a gun off a police officer. Yeah, like I said, not the best plan in the book. So to steal this gun off this police officer, he calls 911 and complains of a suspicious shadow. 
yes, a shadow. I mean, he's 13. Maybe they were like, oh, okay, maybe we should take this seriously. He is 13. Like, I don't know, let's humor him. I don't know. This was Trey's master plan. He phoned up, he complained of a suspicious shadow, and he was going to hide in the woodland kind of area by his house, wait for the police officer to arrive, jump out of the trees with a baseball bat, and steal the gun. Well, as you can imagine, the plan didn't work. And I don't quite know how far Trey got with his plan. The police officer did arrive at his house. I don't know if Trey did jump out at the police officer. I don't know, but the police officer did find out what Trey was planning. And as a result of this, Trey was ordered to see a psychiatrist for an assessment. The police said, you know what, go see a psychiatrist, get this all sorted out, because he was 13. And as far as I'm aware, he hadn't had any trouble with the law up until this point. So the police were like, we're not gonna press charges, just go see a psychiatrist. But this is what Trey did. He went to see a psychiatrist. Nothing came of this. The assessment came back normal, like nothing to worry about. And things just went on as normal. I mean, like I said, we can all go through a little bit of a rebellious stage when we're teenagers, but this definitely is a little bit of an extreme case, isn't it? Now, I feel like this may have been red flag number one, but who knows? So that was when Trey was 13. So we're going to jump ahead a bit now to when he's 17, because nothing really happened in those four years. Like I said, things just carried on as normal. So we're at 2006 now, Trey is 17, and he starts his YouTube channel. I think his first YouTube name was Lens Cap Productions. Like he didn't start off as Mr. Anime. I think it was Lens Cap Productions, and he would just upload random home videos. He would do a lot of comedy, like little skits and like little movies, short films and stuff. That's what he would upload to YouTube. Uh, hey, hand me my water over there. Okay. <laughs> there you go. It was just very random content, you know? And this was what YouTube was like in 2006. Just very, very random. But there was a little bit of a theme that was running through Trey's videos that was a bit concerning, you could say. And that was violence and guns. Guns and violence featured in a lot of his videos. And it just became quite clear that guns and violence was a huge interest to try. In a lot of the short films that Trey would upload, he would actually cast a lot of his friends to take part in the films. And also his brother, Mark, would appear in some of his YouTube videos. So Trey was uploading content like this for around a year. And then in 2007, he did find a new focus for his channel. And this is when he became Mr. Anime. And it just seemed like he had found the kind of content that he was good at. And this was reviewing anime. And he quickly became one of the most popular anime reviewers. Welcome to today's episode, which just so happens to be episode two. Today we're going to be reviewing a show that had a very large impact on audiences all around the world. And he was just known for being honest, very straightforward, very blunt, and I'm not entirely sure, but I think this was something different for the anime review community. And he's even been credited for helping to kickstart the anime community on YouTube, and apparently inspired some of the biggest names in the anime community 
today, which is just crazy. Like when I actually think about it, because obviously I know what happens in this case, like if he didn't do what he did, he could have been at the top of the anime community today or one of the top creators. Trey graduated from high school in 2007 and he did attend college but he didn't last very long. He only ended up taking one course, which was in criminology, but I don't even know if he completed this course. I don't know, but he did eventually drop out of college and he worked a lot of odd jobs. Like some of his jobs were delivering pizzas and he worked at a grocery store, but he just couldn't keep a job. And the longest job he ever had was being Mr. Anime on YouTube, which for the longest time, he wouldn't have been making money from being Mr. Anime because you couldn't monetize. Like I don't even know when you could start to monetize your content. So I think the majority of the time that Trey was on YouTube, he probably wasn't monetized. And then when he was monetized, he probably wasn't earning a lot of money anyway. So I don't know where like he was getting his money from, but I know his parents really helped him out a lot. So it was probably just, he was getting money from his parents. But I do think a big part of the reason why he did struggle to hold down a job was because Trey definitely had a problem with drugs and alcohol. Trey did abuse drugs, especially prescription drugs such as Oxycontin. He was also prescribed drugs for bipolar and schizophrenia. I don't know if he had these, like I don't know if he was diagnosed with these conditions. I couldn't find it out. Prescription drugs do sometimes treat multiple different conditions. So I don't know if Trey did have these conditions or not. And he was also prescribed Xanax for anxiety. And it seemed like Trey's psychiatrist would just uh, prescribe him so many drugs. Trey would be prescribed a drug, he would take it for a week, he would go back to his psychiatrist and say, it's not working. And his psychiatrist would just like write another prescription out for a different drug. So uh, yeah, <laughs> it definitely wasn't working and he was definitely consuming a lot of drugs, especially prescription drugs. And he was also drinking a hell of a lot of alcohol and all of this together is definitely not a good mix. And this lifestyle that Trey was leading was definitely causing tension within the family. Trey's father, Lawton, would often complain to Trey about the drugs he was taking and about all the alcohol that he was drinking and just that he just wasn't doing anything with his life. He dropped out of college and his father wanted him to do more with his life. He wanted his son to better himself. And this uh, definitely used to get under Trey's skin. However, Trey's parents still tried to get him on the right path. They even bought him a brand new car. They also let him live in his grandmother's house after his grandmother had passed away. And I think they thought by doing this, by giving him this car, by allowing him to live independently on his own, it would kind of motivate him, maybe grow up a little bit and become more of an adult and independent and just have more responsibility. And this would motivate him to get on the right path. But uh, unfortunately, it didn't work out like that. Right? In his brand new car that his parents bought him, would quite often get speeding tickets that his parents would pay for. And I think by Trey living alone in his grandmother's house just gave him more freedom to abuse drugs and alcohol because he didn't have anyone to answer to. He didn't have anyone there judging him. And he also gave him the ability to explore one of his favorite hobbies even more. And that 
was guns. Trey, uh, to say that he was obsessed with guns is an understatement. He would actually buy and sell guns. Like it was like a little side business that he had going on. And he owned a hell of a lot of guns and also different types of guns as well. Like at one time, he had like 16 different types of guns. So Trey's life was taking a little bit of a downward turn. And this was becoming more and more evident on YouTube. Like you could literally see the content. It was just getting darker and darker. I miss your anime. I don't really have a show for you. Oh, how you doing everyone? It's Mr. Anime. Or you can call me Trey. You can call me the guy that does the video game reviews. You can call me the guy that does all the gun stuff now. Frey was just becoming more and more erratic in his videos. He was once like coherent and well put together and would produce really good videos. But as time went on, he was becoming more all over the place. You just couldn't really understand like what he was saying and what the point of some of the videos were. So as well as the fascination with guns, Trey was also fascinated with murder. Every day I open Yahoo, I'm like, well, time to see what today, time to see what today's shooting is. He particularly became interested in school shootings, but he also had an interest in serial killers as well. And it wasn't just like a normal interest, like you and me. No, no, no. It went a lot further than that. And he was particularly obsessed with the Columbine shootings and also serial killers like Ted Bundy. So yeah, not a good mix. There was a documentary on the Columbine shootings and Trey watched it 50 times. That's a hell of a lot of times. Like I don't even think I've seen Harry Potter that many times. And Trey could recall every single detail of the Columbine shootings and everything that happened. And what is even weirder than just all of that is that Trey made a little side project for himself. And in this little project, Trey would rate, yes, rate, you heard that right. He would rate serial and spree killers on a scale of one to 10. And he would base his rating on certain elements of their crime, like how many victims they had, how they exactly killed their victims, how long it took for them to get caught, and the kind of weapons and the guns that they would use in their crimes which is not normal, mm -mm, not normal. He would make notes on all of these serial killers and all of these spree killers, and he would make notes of where exactly they went wrong. Well, they went wrong by killing people. And not only did he write where he thought they went wrong, he would also write notes on how they could have improved what they did. He even wrote a 12 page manifesto. Maybe he was inspired by the Unabomber there and pointed out all of the faults of these serial killers and spree killers. Trey wasn't just satisfied researching all of these killers. No, it got a lot worse than that. He started to make plans to become a killer himself. Like I said, he was absolutely fascinated with the Columbine school shootings. And this is what Trey decided that he wanted to do himself. He began to download satellite images of his old high school. He started to plan routes around the school, like how he was gonna go about it. Uh, he planned to get his car, ram through the school gates, run over as many people as he possibly could in his car. He would get out of the car with his rifle and would claim as many lives as he possibly could. So uh, yeah, like I said, not a normal interest 
like you and I. However, when Trey started to plan out this school shooting, he quickly realized that he couldn't bring himself to carry this out initially. So then because Trey thought he couldn't bring himself to do a school shooting, he contemplated becoming a serial killer. But after reading the requirements for being a serial killer, he realized that that wasn't what he wanted either. Like he wasn't cut out for being a serial killer either because the cool down time of a serial killer would just fill him with too much anxiety. Like he didn't want to murder somebody, go back to his normal life and carry on living with the anxiety that at any moment he could be arrested. So yeah, he decided against being a serial killer. And I just find it so weird that somebody sat there contemplating, hmm, I don't think I meet the requirements to become a serial killer. Like really, who does that? Who does that? Like it just doesn't make sense to me. But I just feel like serial killers don't contemplate whether they can meet the requirement of a serial killer. Unfortunately, they just go about doing what the hell they want and they be a serial killer. Do you know what I mean? And because Trey is just really overthinking this, I don't think he wants to be a serial killer. Like, I just don't feel like serial killers think like that. I don't know, I may be wrong. Please tell me in the comments. But yeah, I just think Trey is, at this point anyway, I just feel like he's very lost and confused about everything and I just feel like he's having lots of dark thoughts and he doesn't know how to process them and his psychiatrist is clearly not helping. So because Trey can't bring himself to kill people, he turns his attention to a new target and that unfortunately is animals. Residents of the local area would report that Trey would go out prowling in his car at night. And apparently he was also off his head on drugs as well when he would do this. And he didn't turn his attention to animals straight away. First, he used to find just empty buildings at night to shoot at, um, like churches, libraries, his old school and he would just like shoot at the windows. And I don't know if he just got bored of this. I don't know if he just wanted more of a thrill and excitement. We can only speculate what was going on in Trey's mind, but this is when he decided to turn to animals. There was lots of cows and horses in the rural areas around Walla County. And Trey thought that these would be ideal targets for him. Trey has later said to police in an interview that because he didn't feel like he was cut out to kill people just yet. Uh, that's why he turned his attention to animals to almost test himself, I think. He once said to the police, quote, I can easily go into a pasture and fire a rifle at a cow, end quote. Ugh. I mean, really? So these dead horses and cows were just showing up all across Walla County and the police just didn't have a clue who was behind all of them. And that is because Trey was very, very cautious in covering his tracks. He would make sure to leave no bullet casings behind. He would take them with him and he would crush these bullet casings in a wood vise before putting them in a beer can, just a random empty beer can. And then he would put that beer can in the bin with all of the other beer cans. And because it was just in this bin of all of these beer cans, it wouldn't stand out. Trey also made sure that he never went back to the same hunting ground more than once. Remember that project that Trey was doing, like analyzing all of the other killers and everything? Well, Trey also studied FBI procedures and he knew that most of the time people are creatures of habit and they return to the crime scene or they go back to the same place to commit the same crime 
more than once. I mean, I don't know how big Waller County is, but surely if all of these dead cows and horses are showing up, surely the police kind of figure out that it's the same person doing it. I don't know. But because Trey never got caught, I think this made him arrogant. And it wasn't just horses and cows that Trey did go after. Rumors had also started to circulate online that Trey also used his own pets for firing practice. Yes, his own pets. Not that horses and cows aren't bad enough, but his own pets. So things are not looking good, are they, right now? Trey. It's currently late 2011. Trey has been out of school now for a few years and he's just living alone in his grandmother's house, which I don't think did him any favors. And he's just still taking drugs. He's abusing drugs, binge drinking all of the time. He has a very scary fascination with murderers, guns, violence. He's now started to kill animals, which I'm sorry is a classic sign of a serial killer. And the relationship that Trey had with his family was just deteriorating as well. It was just getting worse and worse. So much so that around the Christmas time of 2011, Trey mentioned to one of his friends that he was planning on killing his father. Now, in case you haven't figured it out, there was a lot of tension between Trey and his father. And there was just always a lot of arguments between Trey and his father and also his brother, Mark. And most of the arguments did stem back to Trey's abuse of drugs and alcohol, which is understandable. And somewhere between like Christmas, I don't quite know when, it was really hard to actually find a timeline of this case, but at some point from Christmas 2011 to March of 2012, Trey shot his kitten, which I mean, I know Trey has killed many animals as well, but I just, I don't know, that one hit me a bit harder. Like he killed his kitten. He did seem to be affected by killing his kitten. When he buried his kitten, he buried the kitten with a note which said, please forgive me. But uh, it didn't seem to stop him from escalating you could say. So now it's March 2012 and it's March the 13th and Trey uploaded a YouTube video titled Mr. Anime's New Job. Hey everybody what's going on? It's Mr. Anime here and well I have some pretty good news. It's not well I have some kind of bad news but it is good news. The good news is that I now found a full-time job in a department that I'm uh interested in, which is film. Basically, Trey was saying that he had been headhunted by this filming company or something, and they wanted him to work for them. So Trey was gonna still upload YouTube videos, but he would be a little bit absent because he had this new job. Well, that was all a lie. That job never existed. I don't really know why Trey did this. I don't know, like, <laughs> I, I don't know. Sometimes I just really can't figure out what the hell is going on in his head. But yeah, he was never headhunted. There was no job. Maybe he just wanted a reason for his absence on YouTube because of what he was planning. But this did end up being the last ever video that Trey uploaded to YouTube. So it is a week later on March the 19th and Trey is just at his grandmother's house. He's on his own and he's just going about his usual routine, staying up all night, 
pretty much just binge drinking. Now his usual routine when he would binge drink would be to go out in his car and shoot at empty buildings and unfortunately animals as well. But I don't know what happened. Something about this evening, I don't know, Trey changed his mind. He didn't want to do his usual thing. So in the early hours of the morning, Trey turned up in his car at his family's home where his mother, father and brother were all inside and Trey turned up fully armed. Trey first called his mother Rhonda to the garage. He said that he had something to show her about the car and when she entered the garage, Trey immediately shot her. Mark, Trey's brother, heard a loud noise. I don't think he was aware that it was a gunshot. I don't know, but he heard that there was some kind of commotion. He came to investigate. So Mark came out of his room to investigate. Trey made his way into the house and Mark said to Trey, I don't know what you're doing, but it's very loud. And Trey didn't say anything to Mark in response. All he did was shoot his brother twice. Now, unlike his mother, these shots did not prove fatal to Mark and Mark managed to get away and run to the bathroom and lock the door. Now, all of this commotion woke up Trey's father, Lawton, and Trey could hear that his father was stirring in his room, to which Trey entered the bedroom and shot his father twice, leaving him lying face down in the bed. And now Trey returns to the bathroom where his brother is, and proceeds to just randomly shoot through the bathroom door. He eventually shoots off the lock of the bathroom door, opens the bathroom door to find his brother lying in a fetal position on the floor with blood everywhere. And at this point, Trey thought, and I know this because he said this to police in a later interview, Trey thought, okay, well, I guess that got him. Following all of this, Trey proceeded to go back to each family member individually to shoot them in the head. And he has later said to police that he did this because he didn't want his victims to suffer. I guess he didn't know if the gunshot wounds were fatal and he didn't want them lying there in pain. So he went round and shot them all in the head. And then after this, Trey proceeded to absolutely trash the house, causing as much destruction as literally physically possible. He knocked over like every single piece of furniture in the house. He went on to shoot the TVs in the house and also the light fixtures. He went to the fridge and emptied all of the contents on the floor. He ripped the family photos off of the wall. And he then went on to stab all of the kitchen cabinets with kitchen knives. Like, I don't understand. Like, is he doing this out of frustration? Like, I don't know, out of happiness? Like, why is he doing all of this? And then he went on to kill all of the family pets. So he shot the two birds that the family had. He killed the family ferret. And he also shot all of the fish tanks killing all of the fish. Like literally the house looked like a war zone. It was crazy. And it's quite common for crime scenes to look kind of like a war zone, but it is rare that the whole house will look like this. Like normally it's just confined to one area of the house, like maybe where the murder has taken place, for example. Um, but no, Trey trashed and destroyed the whole 
house. Now this next thing that Trey did, I just, I can't get my head around. I really can't. So around 2 a.m., Trey very calmly phoned and left voice messages on both of his mother and father's work, saying that his parents wouldn't be in work the next day. <laughs> I just can't like <laughs> wrap my head around that. Like you've just killed your entire family, ruined the house, killed all the family pets, and one of the first things you do is leave a very calm voice message saying that your parents aren't gonna be in work. Like, why is that even crossing your mind? And then after this, he started writing messages all over the walls and all over the doors, cabinet doors and everything. And some of these messages said, I will never forgive myself. I don't know why I did this. What have I done? I love my mother, brother and father and help me someone. And then he went back to the garage where his mom's body was and he lay down next to his mom's body and fell asleep. And I don't know how to feel about that. I don't know if it's just really sick, like he's going back to sleep next to his mom, or he's kind of using that more as a comfort kind of thing. I don't know, and he just wants to be close to his mom. I, I don't know what to think about that. So the next day after Trey woke up, he packed up his car. He loaded it with his rifle and a hundred rounds of ammunition. And then he drove to his old high school where he just parked up and sat there for a little while. And I think we all know what he was planning. While Trey is just sat in his car at his old high school, police do arrive at the family home because they are alerted by another family member who was trying to get hold of I don't know who they were trying to get hold of, whether Rhonda or Lawton, I don't know. But they were concerned because they couldn't get a hold of them, so they phoned the police and the police turned up at the family's home. And because of all of the messages on the walls, all the confessions, they knew that Trey had done this. There was basically the confessions were on the wall and the police knew that they needed to find Trey as soon as possible. So they did start a manhunt, but it took the police 48 hours to find Trey. I don't know how it took them that long, I really don't. So Trey didn't spend long at his school. He actually decided he couldn't go through with the school shooting, thankfully. And he went to one of his friend's house, which is where the police did end up finding him. So the police, when they do turn up at Trey's friend's house, they know that Trey is responsible for the murders and they do immediately arrest him and they take him into custody for questioning. And this is when Trey starts to explain exactly like what happened and how all of this came about and why he did this. He started by telling the police that he was planning to carry out a school shooting and his aim was to kill at least 70 people. But before he could carry out the school shootings, there was only one thing that was standing in his way basically, and that was his family. He decided that he needed to kill his family before he could carry out the school shooting. Trey couldn't bear the thought of his family having to deal with the consequences of Trey carrying out a school shooting. So Trey basically thought that he was doing his family a favor. Trey said this really weird thing that he would basically protect his family with his life, but if anyone was going to hurt them, it would be him. Um, okay. The thing about my family is um, I would protect them with my life, but um, at the same time, if anyone was gonna hurt him, it was gonna be me. Trey went on to say that as soon as he shot his mom, he regretted his actions immediately. But as soon as he shot his mom, he knew that he'd already committed to this. He felt like he couldn't exactly go to his father and his brother and say, oh, I've just killed mom. After I did that, it was like, well, 
I'm already committed, really. Can't really go to my brother and my dad and be like, yeah, I just killed so even though he regretted killing his mom immediately, Trey has said that at that point he was committed and the only way for him was to move forward and to carry on with the plan and kill them all. Throughout all of the interviews, Trey did completely cooperate with the police and he did confess to everything. He also pleaded guilty at trial and was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Now, Trey has shown remorse for his crimes, whether this remorse is genuine or not, obviously we don't know. Trey has actually said that he is really happy with the sentence that he got. He's actually really happy that he's never going to be released. And that is because he has said that he is nothing but a danger to others, which I think is rare. Like, I don't know. I don't feel like many people say that. Most of the time, murderers try and claim that they're not a danger to others. So why did Trey do this? Well, the age of the internet has been blamed for Trey's crimes. Even Trey himself has blamed the internet for him doing what he did. Basically, Trey has said that without the internet, he wouldn't have had access to all of the information that he did. He wouldn't have had access to all of the school shootings that go on, and he wouldn't be able to thoroughly research them like he did, which obviously helped him plan out his own school shooting, which honestly is just, I don't know, in my opinion, it's stupid. I mean, I suppose you could say that the internet played a role in the murders, because obviously Trey was fascinated by these murders and it was easily accessible to him. But school shootings, serial killers, all operated before the internet. Trey was suffering with depression. He was also extremely paranoid. Trey would often think that someone was going to break into his home and quote, get him. And Trey actually fitted motion sensors to every single window in his house because he really did think that there was like a genuine threat that someone was going to break in and hurt him. And I don't know where this paranoia came from. I don't know if it was because he was always drinking and on drugs or whether he was doing a little bit too much research. 60 hours before the murders, Trey messaged his mom to make him a psychiatrist's appointment ASAP. And I don't know why Trey wanted an appointment ASAP, whether that was to get more prescription drugs or maybe he was really struggling. Also, one of the messages that Trey had written on the wall at the crime scene said, why would my grandpa die? Now, Trey was really close with his grandpa and his grandpa was terminally ill and he very sadly passed away just four days after these murders took place. And I can't help but think, was Trey struggling to come to terms with this? Was this a contributing factor? He couldn't quite handle that his grandpa was going to die. I mean, that is something that anybody would struggle to come to terms with. And Trey didn't really seem to be close with many people in his life, but he was close with his grandpa. So was this something that he was struggling with? So yeah, I don't know why Trey did what he did. Trey hasn't really said anything other than the internet. I don't know, which I don't blame the internet. I don't really feel like uh, that's to blame. But uh, yeah, I think he was struggling with his mental health, maybe on top of dealing with the fact that he was gonna lose his grandpa very soon. And I think he was just very lonely. I, I think he was, like I don't think he did him any favors being in that house all on his own all of the time.
And that brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening today. Subscribe or follow to make sure you never miss an episode of The Criminal Maker. And it would really mean a lot if you could leave a five-star review if you enjoyed the show. In the meantime, if you've been affected by any of the themes in this episode, please take the time to look at the description for this episode for some helpful resources. Special thanks to my producers at Audio Boom Studios, and I'll see you all in the next one. Thank you.